Hello, this is Robert Picardo, the holographic doctor from Star Trek Voyager and Commander Woolsey from Stargate Atlantis. If I only get in Star Wars someday, I will have made the trifecta. And you're listening to Neil Before Pod, because you are smart. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. When I was a child, my planet Krypton was dying. Okay, not really, but my parents named me Craig McKenzie, and I was put on this earth to consume nerdy content. The problem is, there's just so much. So I did my best, until recently, when a website allowed me to force myself upon the world. To most people, I'm a giant nerd who watches too much TV, but in secret, I'm an even bigger nerd who watches even more TV. I do this to talk about it, and protect the masses from potentially bad content. This is Neil Before Pod. Hello and welcome to another multiversal edition of Neil Before Pod. I'm your host Craig McKenzie. We have just had one of the things I look forward to every year. I speak of course of the Arrowverse crossover which this year took the form of Crisis on Earth X. Crossing over from Earth something, uh, yeah, that's what its official designation is, Earth something, is Chris. Hello, greetings from Earth something. <laughs> it's, it's an Earth, that's all we can say. Yes. It's an Earth which is different from the others in one spectacular way, and that is that all superheroes are actually on superhero TV shows and don't <laughs> exist. It's a very boring universe. I wish I was over in yours, but sadly, this Earth is all I've got. Ah, this um, this Earth is where all TV, all things exist in TV shows, but I don't have access to them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's oh no, it's a, it's a horrible Earth. Yeah, so we just had a crossover, big DC TV crossover, which has become an annual event across, well, this year four of their shows, last year three of their shows, the previous year's two of their shows. So it's become a bit of a big deal. It's something that people look forward to. Um, and it's happened this year. And what did you think, without spoiling? I think they learnt from some of the mistakes of last year. I do think it's got some little buggy, nitpicky things that you can go into. But I think overall it was very good. I'm going to say that it pretty much blew my mind. I thought it was great fun. The story was good. The story was what it needed to be. The crossover It was a genuine mini-series crossover involving all four shows rather than... Oliver Queen turns up for a Flash episode. Supergirl is kind of there. You know, and, uh, which, as you alluded to, the mistakes from last year. But it was great. It was just exactly what I wanted a comic book event crossover to be. And not to run comparisons, but it makes Justice League look like a student film. <laughs> not that all student films are bad. It makes Justice League look like a... Not quite a bad a good student, student film. film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not just a student film; you're a bad student <laughs> film. So yeah. yeah, that's that's what I have to say. Um, loved it, loved it, absolutely loved it. So we'll just wrap up now. Nothing else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's wrap up. That's, that's it. Thank you very much for coming. Uh, yeah. uh, I don't have anything to say without spoiling it, so I think we should just dive in. If no, that's no why objections. I was. That's why I was so quick with my sort of summary because I kind of want to dig into it rather than uh, talk around it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, let's uh, let's go into spoiler territory then. Very well, Captain. Right now it's safe. We can say whatever we want. We are yay within the bowels of Star Labs or wherever is safe in these places. But well, Star Labs isn't safe. It's no. Not- 
Game Boy lacks security. Yeah, lacks security ever. <laughs> I think it just has an open door, doesn't it? Yeah, it's got much. an open door policy at Star Labs. You just walk in. <laughs> yeah, they don't have conventional locks even. There's no. no. <laughs> yeah, so the story uh, is a good thing to start on, uh, which is basically Nazi evil Nazi versions of some of the characters come across to attack them for reasons. And as a comic book story, don't need much more than that. Although what I appreciated about it was that the the heroes didn't come together for that reason. They came together for a better, a happier reason. Well, if you like the Iris Barry relationship, then it's a happy reason. So they they came together to witness this wedding, which is fine. You know that that kind of establishes them as friends outside of their costumed antics, and then the the problem presented itself after that point. So I quite liked that approach. I thought it was more interesting to see they're not getting together because the world's ending. They're getting together because they're friends. Yeah, I mean, I I really liked that. I I liked the fact that it was from the off. It was a crossover, which I think is one of like the big gripes that we had last year. Is it was kind of uh, separate, especially in the sort of Supergirl side of it, which is always a difficult thing because they are in a different Earth, in a different chronology. It's kind of very difficult for them to to crowbar them in. And yeah. last year it was kind of like there was an invite at the end of our episode and she crossed over. Whereas with this, they kind of jumped in right away, um, which I really liked. And it's this, um, like you say, just a little bit different. They're all getting together for something unrelated. Of course it's going to go wrong, but <laughs> they all get together for something completely unrelated. And it works. Is a really neat idea. Um not only that, the fact that you're kind of bringing evil versions of some of your core characters over means that they've got someone matching their power level. Yeah. Uh, which is always a difficult thing when you've got someone like Supergirl sitting there and you've got to do the obvious thing of, well, who's she going to fight that isn't going to... Or how do you get her off the table without making it seem really clunky? And I think they managed to achieve that in this. Although, funnily enough, we said that was going to be bad in the films, you know, with... Uh Lex Luthor's Injustice League concept, you know, the the idea of let's find one person who can match this other person and, you know, line them all up. But this is functionally what the crossover actually does, but I think it works. I think it's still got flaws in one one or two ways in the fact that you have got so many high-powered people there and once you've got your heroes incapacitated to the level that they did, you then can't get over the, at which point do you stop uh, supervilling grandstanding and kill them all? Yeah, so and I you come back to the Austin Powers thing, yeah. You come back to the, okay, so you sent them to the other Earth, and you chained them up, and you put them there, just so that you could then take them out of that prison, line them up, and shoot them. Now, there <laughs> yeah. was a much quicker way of dealing with this situation that would have given a lot less chance of escape. And it involves <laughs> the point where they're all unconscious, and you can kill them then. <laughs> yeah. If all you were doing is sending them to a different Earth to kill them, then you, you know you kind of led to your own demise. I suppose it was in that scenario. It could have been the um, evil Oliver left, uh, you know, left them in the care of um, evil Quentin, and it was up to him what he did with them after that point. But why leave them to evil Quentin? Because I'm, I'm, I'm assuming evil Quentin is as as uh, as competent as uh, non evil Quentin. At which point you go, well, I'm not leaving them with him, uh, you know. <laughs> hey, non-evil Quintons, he gets stuff done. 
whatever. Some stuff, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things that's uh, it would derail the story if you thought about it too much. It's just they they don't get killed because you know they need to be in the other two parts. But I've got to be fair. I'm nitpicky in all these things, so I nitpick. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm very nitpicky sometimes, but uh, I think uh, most of the issues didn't really bother me here, and I think the way it told its story was fine because it, it clearly established the um, the stakes. You know, you had um, you had evil versions of of most of the villains uh, turning up, and they had their kind of bottomless pit of henchmen that everybody else could fight, and um, and the quite simple objective. Uh, at least for some of it, of we need to get Kara so that she can perform a heart transplant or she can be the, the donor of a heart transplant to evil Kara, who is dying. Uh, that's that's quite a kind of subdued, very very small motivation. And it's like, it tells you a lot about the, the people on, the evil people on EarthX, the, the idea that they do care about each other and the length they're willing to go to. And plus, evil Oliver is very like non-evil Oliver, because Oliver would do go to whatever lengths to save the people he cares about as well. Yeah, I think bringing it down to that level was pretty good, actually. It's it, You've got to give them a reason apart from being all-conquering other universe Nazis. You know, it doesn't make sense for them to try and invade another Earth, really, until you bring it down to that level of, they want Kara for the heart transplant. Um... Which is just a a pretty neat concept. And like I say, you're having to be really nitpicky in order to pick holes in this because I really did enjoy it from the off. I was, I was after the trailer, I was really bigging it up and thinking, this is going to be good, this is going to be good, this is going to be good, please don't disappoint me. And it didn't at all. I watched the first episode and instantly wanted to watch the next one, you know. Yeah. Well, I really appreciated um, how how well the story was told because it did keep the the characters as a focus, but also it didn't it didn't specifically make the crossover about any one character. I mean, the the main characters were essentially the leads in all four shows. So you know, Kara had a prominent uh, a prominent presence. Oliver was pretty prominent. Uh, Barry was, of course, very very instrumental to it all. And and the for legends they picked Sarah, Jax, and Martin, who were. Their focus. The rest of the legends got pretty short shrift, and and most of Team Arrow were just kind of there in the background as well. Um, Team Flash, not so much, except Wally as usual. You know, Wally, you bugger off. You need to protect Joe and stuff. See you later. Oh, Wally, you're back. <laughs> Wally, leave. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, and he did so well during the wedding as well. He was like catching bullets and stuff, and and then it's like, Wally, we need you to bugger off. <laughs> We can't possibly have two speedsters. That would be that would be stupid. Yeah, it's gonna make it's gonna make winning this far too easy. Away you go. We couldn't and, possibly and take... put Joe and Cecile and whoever else on the Wave Rider to protect them. No, that would be stupid. No, we've got so many places we could put them right now, but yeah. they need they need a speedster to protect them from the the Nazis. So. Let's drop them off in the nineteen sixties. No one will look for them there. <laughs> Something like that. But no, whatever. Bye, Wally. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's Poor guy. Such a shame. Yeah, getting stolen away just before the wedding. It's, 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 <laughs> just it's, after it's the wedding. Ju- well, I suppose just after, but just before the genuine wedding, yeah, or the God. the, the, we'll the, the makeshift that. wedding, the final wedding. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. We, we but um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they 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 did quite well at picking what characters were going to give a focus. But I think, considering the ensembles that they've got, they managed to cover their bases pretty well. 
I mean, they managed to give little bits of development for each character and little bits of build-up. Obviously, some get a bigger focus than others. You're never going to be able to tag all of them. But they gave most people something to do in there. They either had evil versions of themselves running about or they had um, a little bit of plot development. Well, it's just like a comic book event. You know, these um, in-comic book events or in the good ones anyway, characters get plucked out of whatever they're up to at that moment and they have to deal with a specific issue. The small, in terms of time scale, the smaller issue, you know, it only lasts a couple of days or whatever. What you get is you get little bits of what these characters are, are going through at that point and, and more how they bounce off other people, you know, or each other or whatever else. But the thing is, if you don't get a little bit of why you like Supergirl, then there's no point in her being there. You know, if there's no... If you don't get a bit of Oliver and what he's up to, there's no point in him being there. There could be anybody. So you have you have to get that balance between the characters doing doing what they are in service of the story that they're in, but you also have to get a bit of why people like them in the first place. You know, you have to get that balance between what fans of the characters will expect and what they're, they actually need from them for this story. And I think they did that. Oh, most definitely. I, I, I do think that they, they managed to run around, even in that first episode where you get everyone replying to the RSVP. That was a great way to introduce everybody. and then it, You know, it was a great little tour around. Oh, we've not heard back from anyone. What about, you know, what about Oliver and Felicity? Oh, we've not heard. And then you cut over to them and you, you sort of cut between each of them trying to respond to their RSVP. Yeah, and they're all having a kind of normal day as well. Uh, Oliver's fighting ninjas. Barry's fighting King Shark, who's somehow escaped from Argus since last season, but whatever. Uh, Kara's fighting a Dominator as a reference to last season. And I just thought that was are, very neat, yeah. yeah <laughs> so last are, year. <laughs> yeah, the legends are messing stuff up in merry old England. And uh, yeah, it's a good way to, to bring them all in. Um, and here's what they're up to just now. And But the fact is, they all wait till the day before the wedding to RSVP. What dicks? All of them. Especially the time-travelling ones. Surely the time-travelling ones are the <laughs> last people with the excuse. Yeah. They could go back in time and reply to the RSVP the day after. Sorted. <laughs> well, it's funny how Mick was invited over, like, Ray Palmer or someone like that. I mean, to my knowledge, Ray Palmer has never tried to kill Barry, whereas Mick has. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did think that was a little bit weird. Is Why, why would you have him there? Um, but... You know, fair enough. I'm guessing real in real world stuff, it's probably actor availability or something along those lines. Yeah. Or because Mick is immensely entertaining and Ray, not so much. Not that, that he's not is entertaining, also a point. <laughs> but, but Mick is more entertaining. So that that's possibly one reason. But yeah. Um, so yeah, you get everyone together and like the, the Supergirl stuff, It's you get her entire cast. Uh, for that one scene, pretty much, and then her and Alex come over, and it's it's interesting how little of Supergirl is in the Supergirl episode. And interestingly, I saw I saw other websites that aren't mine reviewing the crossover per episode, because websites like the AV Club they've got different writers who cover each of the individual shows. So you know, Supergirl's covered by someone, and Arrow's covered by someone else, and so on. So what they were doing was in, reviewing the episodes of their show, and the Supergirl writer was pointing out that. As a Supergirl episode, it's not a very good one. That is part of what, where it falls down a little bit, is if you go, right, 
if people were watching these shows in isolation, then a lot of it is not going to make sense. And I think we said we had the same issue last year where there were some quite big plot developments outside of their own shows that you would then be on the next again episode going, well, whoa, 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 hang on. How, when did this happen? When did, when did that happen? Oh, right, it happened on a Legends of Tomorrow episode. Right, okay, now, now I understand. And I think that will have been a problem. However, I think to get the crossover that we've enjoyed so much, you needed to break those boundaries between the shows up. Where you had bits of Legends of Tomorrow development thrown in on a Flash episode, you had Flash episode developments on Supergirl, you had Supergirl developments. Not so much throughout this. You know, you had a little bit of uh, character development. I'm trying to remember the sister's name and it's going completely Alex. out of my head. Alex. Alex gets a little bit of development through this. Kara, I'm quite a bit, actually. Well, yeah. that's the thing. I mean, it's our getting over our relationship thing and that builds throughout it, which gives a bit of development. I don't think Kara gets so much no. by the end of it, apart from maybe a story or something that will come up in an episode. So... For the Supergirl angle, I think it doesn't really throw much forward in there. Especially in her episodes, because her episode kicked it off. That was more of a Flash episode that she had than a Supergirl episode. Yeah, because it was about their wedding. Yeah, it was about it was about their wedding. And I don't even think you had much of the Supergirl cast, even at the beginning. I think she was fighting a Dominator... Everyone she went was there back for to that the f- one scene. Yeah, you know, she, and, fought, she fought the yeah. Dominator. There was a bit of talk in the, the DEO. She was back in her flat, and then she was over in the other Earth, and that was it. Yeah. Apart from sort of uh, Wynn uh, turning up in <laughs> uh, Evil Earth. General shot. Yeah. <laughs> As he would constantly refer to himself. General, <laughs> yes. I am um, general. Yeah, I, yeah, that was... Uh... <laughs> yeah. So, and, and I agree with you there, but the counter to that is... It's not an episode of Supergirl, right? It's the first episode of Crisis mm. on Earth X. It has its own title card. Yes. All four episodes, they had their own t- its own title card for this event. So therefore, I don't think it's fair to say that there are episodes of whatever, because, I mean, I think, I probably think the one that felt like most of itself was the, the Legends of Tomorrow episode. The, the last one, because that had more Legends of Tomorrow characters in it. And it focused on a pretty major event involving a Legends of Tomorrow character, or two mm-hmm. characters. So, in a sense, it, that's probably the one that comes closest to being an episode of its own thing. But, like, the Flash episode, the third one, had very little Barry in it, actually. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, I, I completely agree with you. I do think you've got to take this almost as a standalone little mini-series of its own. Um, I don't think you can play them as episodes of that show, despite the fact there's developments in there. But I do think that if people have gone, oh, I can't be bothered with that Legends of Tomorrow, I don't like that. Oh, I like The Flash, but I don't like Legends or whatever. I'm not going to watch that. Will have found that they're having to watch these bits and there's little bits that they then won't get because they haven't been watching the other shows. We've got the benefit of having watched all, yeah. all four but in the, theory, if you, you only know, watch The Flash, then you won't care about the other stuff that's talked about anyway, so it's immaterial. But then that would diminish the episode somewhat for you, because you're then watching development that you aren't invested in, yeah. for want of the, a, a better thing. Yeah? 
that comes down to a different debate about whether it's engaging in of itself. You know, the, I can't imagine the Barry Iris wedding would interest people that only watch Legends of Tomorrow. Although it'd be weird if that's the only one you watched, considering it birthed itself from characters that yes. were all in the other shows. But, you know, let's say for the sake of argument, that's the only show you've ever watched. You you watched that from day one. You loved it. You know, you don't care about the other shows. And you're having to watch this wedding from two characters you don't know anything about, other than you saw them in last year's crossover. So, um... See, strangely, I do know one person who has watched Legends but hasn't watched all of the other shows, and that's because Legends started later and had mm. less episodes, so they thought, well, I'll watch Legends first. Yeah. And I was but like, that's... well, it's got a lot of spoilers from the other shows in it. <laughs> that's got to be a relative minority, though, right? Oh, I yeah. I think what the, the whoever pays money for this is banking on the fact that people will who don't watch all of the shows will watch all of them this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they will only... Maybe they'll only see it this week, or maybe they'll retroactively go and decide, hey, I quite like this Oliver Queen guy, I'm going to watch his show, even though <laughs> his, you know, it was the first one. <laughs> but, but for the sake of argument, you know, or, or people that um, people that haven't th- watched Supergirl might be like, hey, Kara's pretty cool, I'll watch her show now, you know. And then, yeah, and her so, and Alex are pretty neat and do yeah. all that. I mean, I do think what it's likely to do isn't so much, like you say, with, with Arrow, it was the first one, so the chances are a lot of people have seen a bit of Arrow. But it might make people go around and go, do you know what? I'm going to give that another go. I'm going to go back and, and watch some of that now. I'm going to catch up on what I've missed. I think there yeah. is a, an element of that. Even with the, the Flash storyline stuff that people might go, oh, do you know what? I might, I might watch a little bit of that now. Yeah. Although, I'm, I'm considering I watch all the shows and I don't care about the Barry Irish relationship. <laughs> you know, anybody that doesn't watch The Flash and has to sit through this, this dreck, doesn't, you know, it's, it's probably not going to enjoy it that much. But the thing is, um, I thought there was enough going on that the whole, you know, the whole lovey dovey sentimental crap that was associated with the wedding <laughs> is, it wasn't enough to bother me. You know, they, it wasn't overpowered. It wasn't overpowering compared to the other stuff. So I was okay with indulging it for a minute or two. Listen, I was just over the moon that by the end of this, the buggers were married. I, <laughs> I, I was sitting there thinking, if this ends and the wedding still hasn't happened, they are not getting married ever. I do not want to hear about this marriage ever again. It's Although not that, happening. Yeah, that whole wedding scene at the end was really weird. It was like, all right, let's do this now, and then like Felicity was like, hang on, I think we should barge in on this. It's like, what is going on here? This is no one's annoyed at this and. I don't know how what? many people like. Okay, uh, Joe doesn't get to be at her daughter's wedding. Like <laughs> his his daughter's wedding. Sorry. Yeah, I've got to go. I've got to go and grab someone. Who do who does he go and zip and grab? Diggle. Um, <laughs> to see, throughout the, see throughout the whole crossover. I was like, where the hell is Diggle? I miss Diggle. Where is he? Why wasn't he invited to the wedding yeah. in the first place? Well, now you know. <laughs> he was sitting there with a stress ball. That's what Diggle was doing. <laughs> he invited Mick Rory, but didn't invite Diggle. Yeah. Diggle, no, you stay at home. Well, he's still angry because he ended up with a son instead of a daughter, isn't he? He's, yeah, he's, he's peeved about yeah. all. <laughs> he's now but, got quadruplets from the yeah. uh, the times that Barry's been back. But, I mean, we'll talk about what Diggle's been up to and uh, what about more about the, the Barry Irish relationship when we mm. come on to our mid-season thing. Um, next week, in terms of recording, God knows in terms of when listening. But We've got one episode left till the mid-season, so we'll be covering that fairly soon. But um, And I'm glad that it doesn't really factor in other than the wedding stuff, which is, you know, you can take it or leave it, and I'd rather just leave it. But um, 
because it did have a lot of the sentimental stuff and you know when it got to the vows they were pretty riddled with cliches and it was just so frustrating to watch some of the time but uh, it's what you come to expect from this relationship because it's just not that engaging at least not to me and even the Felicity Oliver thing that was just manufactured angst for the sake of manufacturing angst you know this whole I don't want to marry you rubbish I couldn't care less especially when there's (laughs) evil Nazis everywhere that you don't really have time to be talking about this. There's there's a, there's a time and a place. Yeah, yeah. I did I did think it was like a bit of bad timing where they were sitting, <laughs> they're standing there at the wedding reception, and that's when he decided to not quite, but sort of propose. Um, <laughs> but I think it's that relationship all over, isn't it? They're both kind of very awkward in it and can't make it work in a way. But it's, it's another relationship that I'm glad is sort of seems to be settling to get rid of a lot of. The issues, but uh, like you said about the Iris and Barry relationship, I suppose we'll talk about that more in the mid-season than we will yeah. during this. Yeah, and I mean, I quite like to use the the wedding as an excuse to get everyone together. That makes sense. People like to go to weddings. People invite their friends to weddings. Their friends just so happen to be superheroes that exist in another three TV shows. Absolutely no problem with that. And and I quite like how the majority of the first part was spent just characters talking to each other because you know you get one chance a year to watch these guys get together uh, from different shows all right sometimes there's there's periodic smaller crossovers throughout you know like curtis turning up on a screen or whatever else but like i don't think anyone really cares what curtis thinks about the you know what curtis thinks about ray palmer and all that stuff oh <laughs> well you know compared to like oliver queen talking to barry allen right last okay yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I, I like Curtis. Uh, I interviewed him. Well, the actor that plays him anyway, not the character himself. Because that would be difficult, because he doesn't exist on this earth. Yeah, not on not on something earth. <laughs> uh, he does exist on, <laughs> on several others, but not something earth. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, you get one chance a year to get these characters together, so... Previous years, it's been done a bit of a disservice because what happens is the um, the problem kicks in pretty early on, or they're getting together because of the problem. So therefore, they've got less chance to just be around each other. And it turns out, when they're around each other, it's some of the best stuff. No, I I, I agree with you. I think they've managed to make these characters interact in a an interesting way. Uh, um a true to form way really you've got all the the it geeky people from each show uh all sort of merged together quite well you've got all your action characters that gel quite well and and the little fun that happens in between the mickey taking and the thing i just think's great you know they've really they've really built on those relationships and like you say normally you only get a little token person on a screen or someone on a phone or a quick conversation or you know Bits like that, but having them all meeting up and chatting, interacting, and seeing each other's um, combat styles isn't really what I wanted to say, but the way each of them responds to the same situation. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you'll get Oliver's Oliver's reaction is, you know, we should hit them hard. Kara's is more, uh, we should talk and try and find an easier way around this. You've also got all your non- Superpowered members that are running about as well. The sort of not B team isn't what I'm wanting to say here, but it's kind of what I'm going for. You know, 
all the the, the ancillary people <laughs> that are more ground level, street level uh, heroes rather than flying about or at least attempting to fly about. I mean, I even liked Oliver's, you know, the little the little bit they do where you've got Flash and Supergirl arrive at the site and then they're waiting and standing there waiting for Oliver to turn up <laughs> on his that. motorbike. I love that. I he just looks so like he looks so. Uh, I don't know. He just looked so hurt, I suppose. He was just like, just a reminder, super speed. I don't have it. <laughs> and they were all just, they were just standing there looking impatient. It was really funny. Yeah, yeah I was just like waiting for you guy. to turn up. I, I, yeah. I thought there was loads of nice little interaction moments where you're going, yeah, that's how they would sort of react and, to that thing, you know? Yeah, and of course, uh, Sarah gets another conquest in the form of Alex, which, as soon as they started talking, I was like, I know how this is going to end up. <laughs> well, it's, you know, Captain Kirk, I tell you what, <laughs> that that's her idol, surely, because she's just sleeping her way around the multiverse, isn't she? <laughs> yeah, but it, that, that ended up being a really good through line, at least until about, well, until the end, really. Because you, what you had was um, was Alex felt guilty about the fact that she had this one night stand and she'd never done that before because she's been a lesbian for less than a year and doesn't and, and was in a relationship for most of that time. So, um, or she's been an out as a lesbian for less than a year, but presumably been that all of her life, all her life. So, uh, but the whole idea that um, yeah, she can just like not feel guilty about stuff. She can just have a bit of fun and, and Sarah's a good person to do that with because she's not going to like hold her to any higher standards or have any expectations from her. And then Sarah's the one who's able to tell her, no, trust your instincts because your instincts are good. Don't go crawling back to Maggie because the problem you have still exists. And then she's able to think to herself, all right, I might be upset about what I've done, but I feel like I've done the right thing. And that's that was an important lesson for her. And yeah, she has the most development out of any superhero character in this crossover. All two. Yeah, no, I just think that was such a a fun thing to do, and you're thinking, yeah, of course they would get together as soon as they start talking. I was like, oh yeah, I can tell where this is going, and <laughs> the sort of competitive drinking, and then you're like, and cutscene, and there it goes. You're like, all right, brilliant. And also even like the Alex was was really. Um, you know, really uptight about it, and Sarah was pretty casual about it. She was like, yeah, you fell out of bed this morning, you alright? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, shut up! <laughs> Trying to keep it a secret, and I was yeah. like, she's just going to end up rocking up and saying, oh, you left your pants, or whatever, you know, I just thought it was <laughs> that's the only way it was going to go, wasn't it? Yeah. But yeah, it's, it was a good little thing, and you know, it's it might be insensitive to think that the only two lesbians would, or in Sarah's case, bisexual, you know, the, the same-sex ca- characters would be the ones to get together, but um, and maybe it is, but I also quite like the way they handled it as well. I think it's just Sarah playing to type, isn't it? I mean, in yeah. every every episode of uh, Legends of Tomorrow, you're thinking, is Sarah going to hook up with this character? Uh, probably. Uh, is the thing, you know? I think I was wrong in my prediction about when she would hook up with that Agent Sharp woman, but which hasn't happened yet. We could we can discuss in we'll, the we'll legends of the legends of the mid season cast. Yes, yes, we will. Um That's a yeah, it's a completely different thing, but you know, for the purpose of this it was fine. Um it's a pairing that I quite liked because, you know, they they kept showing us how similar they were. They they had the the, the bit where they did that sort of um simultaneous dress rip during the wedding fight. 
Yes. Um, and, they, you know, they're both pretty capable hand-to-hand combatants um, in their own ways. So the, the fact is, they, they worked as a pairing. Yeah, I mean, you saw them fighting back to back, taking you know, taking everything as a team. I thought it was it was a good pairing uh, for them because, like you say, they're both similar skills. I know that um, Alex isn't quite a trained assassin, but you know, still pretty good at hand to hand combat. Yeah, she kicks ass, and so does Sarah. So therefore, fine, decent choreography. Yeah, um, I thought Oliver other than dealing with the fact that he has an evil twin and that Felicity doesn't want to marry him, didn't have an awful lot to do as such. I mean, the fact is, he was he was definitely the natural leader of the group, as he as he often is, uh, just because he's experienced. The people look to him to share the benefit of that experience. But um, one thing I would have liked a bit more to see a bit more of, and with Kara as well, is the fact is, when you, whenever you have this evil twin thing, the natural thing is the nature versus nurture debate. You know, um, is the circumstances of their upbringing enough to inform who they are, or are they naturally good or bad people? Do so, um, you know, innately. Which um, it's an interesting debate, and this episode, these episodes seem to go with the whole premise of nurture is the winning factor when it comes to shaping who people are, which is fine. Although you don't really see Oliver react to the fact that. All he is is like the circumstance of his upbringing away from being evil. Or Kara, if she hadn't been raised by the Danvers, would be evil. You know, they don't seem to worry about the fact that, hang on, we are like, we were so close to not being good people. And, I mean, I I didn't want them to spend an awful lot of time on it, but it would have been interesting to have a a bit of lip service to it, at least. That's true, but I think it is laid on in a way it is one of those things that you can take away from it the nature v nurture thing um i suppose a, a little comment or something wouldn't have gone amiss but i mean it's definitely there of well these are just alternate scenarios you know yeah. if if this had played out this particular way how would it have been yeah uh and there is a bit of um cara versus evil cara's perspective so um, and and they do have similar outlooks. It's just the perspective is very skewed. So, Kara, she's all about. I'm going to use my powers to protect people. It's all about you know being a symbol of hope and stuff like that. And uh, whereas evil Kara sees it as being a symbol of strength and ruling over people rather than protecting people. So it's kind of they they both agree that they should use their powers f- as an example, but the mm-hmm. they disagree in what that example should be. So it's it, it, that was an interesting angle, and the conversation she had with herself in the in the last episode or the second to last episode was it was interesting in terms of getting that across. And Melissa Benoist did a fantastic job playing both roles. I I think they both did really of of sort of managing to switch between because it must have been a hell of an awkward shoot doing that because they must have been just shooting against doubles a lot of the time and then having to go around and do the same the same scene again but as the alternate them yeah there was very few moments where they were on Mm. screen together so there was yeah all that short reverse shot stuff going on so it was yeah so what you would probably have is Stephen Amell would film half a scene then he'd film the other half of the scene and then they would stitch it together and then they would yeah they would do some compositing to you know, to show that they're in the same room together periodically. Yeah. But uh, I would actually say that evil Oliver and normal Oliver were less different in the way they were portrayed. 
Yeah, but Oliver is always one of these characters that's very close to particularly being evil. You know, not yeah. not so much uh, kill everyone, Oliver, but you know, you you can tell that he's yeah. You know, through through previous seasons, we've explored that how, how close to maybe not quite being the good guy he is. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, there were still differences, still important differences, and you could still tell them apart in their performance, but um, but there was less in it. And I think, you know, Evil Kara was a lot different than than regular Kara, but it was fine. Um, it was it was just interesting to see, and uh, I wonder if normal Kara will take away from the fact that she could have a costume with trousers. <laughs> yeah, I may have hated that Nazi version of myself, but trousers. Much better. <laughs> I don't know. Could yeah. happen. If there's if there's one lesson I'm going to learn from all of this, it's that my <laughs> outfit could do with an upgrade. Yeah. Yeah. I, I actually quite really liked that it was our Eo, like Earth One's Eobard Thon that was behind it all, or was was at least allying himself with these Nazis. And the implication is that he was responsible for the Nazis winning World War Two somehow. It was implied. It wasn't like specifically dealt with, but uh, the reason I like that is it gives a connection to the whole Earth-X conflict that, you know, that that we can relate to as an audience because we know Eobard Thawne and he's been a thorn in this, a thorn in the side <laughs> of, uh, two, of two different shows. Uh, so, um, yeah, bad pun alert. Um, yeah, he's been a problem. On, <laughs> he's been a problem on two different shows. So the fact is we know him. Uh, he's, he's a significant presence in the Arrowverse and... It, it does give that grounded connection because it gives Barry a personal stake in the fight, but it also gives it the fact that this isn't just some kind of nebulous threat from far away. That You know, there is something to it that connects it. No, I think definitely. I mean, my only problem with putting a character like that in is, uh, and I'm going to say this again, is the power levels thing. As Speedster is like a really, really high-end villain. Yeah. When, especially when you're then combining it with, you know, a Supergirl clone, or, you know, a, a different Supergirl, an evil Supergirl, it then makes it very difficult for your ground, <laughs> the ground level heroes to compete. And you do sit there thinking, you're fast enough to zip in there and rescue uh, Nazi Oliver and Nazi Kara, but you're not quick enough to go in there and just snap everyone's neck as well while you're in there. <laughs> it's like, zip in, take them out, and then just disappear. Like, oh. Well, I suppose the, um, certainly in the larger scale fights, they, they managed to get around that, so... Oh yeah, in the yeah. larger scale ones, they did very well. I mean, I really liked the scene where you sort of see the big fight taking place, but then they slowed it down, panned round, and you see that there's this entire other fight that must have, in speedster terms, lasted a couple of days, I'm guessing, <laughs> as they're running about in the middle, fighting each other. I just thought it was a really neat way of doing it, where they suddenly would speed everything back up again, but you could tell that the two speedsters were fighting in there. I just yeah, thought it was very neat. Yeah, because you saw the blurs yeah, yeah. Fl- flying about. Yeah, and, and the thing is, it answers that question, why, you know... Why isn't evil Supergirl killing everyone? Because Kara's dealing with her. Why isn't Thawne killing everyone? Because he has to deal with Barry, you know. Yeah, and then it gives a reason as to why Barry and Kara are not dealing with the minions as well. Yeah. Why Why? Why are the, the street-level people not being taken out in the meantime? Oh, that's because they're both occupied, therefore everyone else has got to do their bit. Yeah, and it's a good use of... Um, it's, it's a good use of your characters, you know. You have this action scene that has everyone in it, and you get 
everyone involved in their own different ways. I mean, they don't have to, you don't have to have all those group shots of them standing next to each other to prove that they're in the same fight. Although you do get that, you know, when they all, uh, despite the fact that walking in sort of a, a big line into battle has got to be the least practical way of doing it. <laughs> cool. It look, just looks so cool. It's like, yeah, look how many superheroes we've got, guys. <laughs> look, we've got everyone here, and there's a couple that can fly, so we've got them in the background, and the other ones are just casually walking. <laughs> oh, yeah, this is, this is so cool. I mean, but it's... it's one of these better things. CGI than Justice League. Well, <laughs> that's it. I mean, this, this is where it brings up a lot of the Justice League stuff, and if you want to hear us pull apart Justice League limb for limb, then there's another podcast for you to go and check out. It'll be there in the show notes if you need a direct link, but it's in here with everyone else. But... It's one of those things where it shows how much it pays off if you build up these characters first before bringing them together. Yep. What makes that kind of shot where they're all walking together and they're all fighting together more awesome is the fact that you've seen them all develop individually and you're like, oh my god, this is them all combined and fighting together and it makes you squee inside. Yep. Where in Justice League, you're you're not really used to half the characters in the first place and you're kind of like, well, I've got, no, I've got nothing invested emotionally in all these people coming together and fighting. Um, so yeah, I, I do think that's kind of where it improves in Justice League a bit. Is you've got an enlightened interest in them. Yeah, and uh, in terms of fan service, um, this, this had a lot of it, and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't gratuitous. It was just like we said before. Um, these when it's a little moment, it's it feels earned. So um, I mean, one of my favourite bits was a bit where Kara said to her doppelganger um, general would you care to step outside which is the same line that Superman says to Zod in Superman 2 <laughs> and it's like you know it's a piece of fan service because it's a line that everyone will remember if you've seen that film if you're a big fan of that film you'll remember it but it works in context as well so it's perfect and it's you know it's, it's little things like that that just kept it's kept me really engaged as a fan because it just kept calling back to um, these various little things these little, you know, these previous little team ups and things. Um, I like the bit where, uh, you know, Re- Reverse Flash mentioned that he'd fought um, Kara's cousin in the future at some point. So maybe we'll get Eobard Thawne on Supergirl at some stage. That'd be nice. Yeah, definitely. No, I, w- I would like to see that fight. Yeah, although maybe there's an Earth One version of Superman that just isn't out yet because. Uh, Harry does specifically mention that there are 53 Earths, 53 Kryptons, 53 Karas. Mm. So where's the Earth 1 version? You know, and that's the question that nobody's asked yet. And Earth X has all of the characters coexisting as well. That's true, actually. So you've got Kara and um, Oliver in yeah. the same... Yeah, yeah I didn't think of that, actually. The first fight you see is Oliver versus James as Guardian. Um, and oh, when, yeah. of course, he's there. When's um, there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that's the the two combined. Yeah. So you have to you have to assume that there are versions of these characters, if not on it on the Earth, but they are native to that universe. So at least the human characters would be there. I mean, I would imagine Alex Danvers is kicking about somewhere, um, and so on. You know, James Olsen, etc. They haven't specifically said anything about them. Of course, not not as yet, but I'm I'm surprised that this wasn't the opportunity for them to say, hang on, what did happen at Krypton on this earth? Is it still there? You know, and um, then Kara has a diff- has an interesting choice about could I go to Earth One and visit Krypton? Maybe. 
because uh, it may not have blown up, or maybe Superman is just in Kenya or something, looking at lions. You know, Kara <laughs> uh, could be in our pod somewhere, not on Earth yet. Anything, you know, any of these things could are possible, but um, it does give us the potential for these things to coexist because they do on another Earth. So there, something to think about. Uh, we, we had some pretty big events. Um, obviously, it was announced earlier in the year that uh, Victor Garber would be leaving Legends of Tomorrow. What wasn't announced is how that would happen. This crossover tells us how. He dies. And I was extremely moved by the way they handled it. I thought it was very, very sad and very well done. It was very sad and... I know this is more for the mid-season of um, Legends than it is for this chat about how they've handled it overall. But they've let, they have led us down one path for so long that when they sort of did a a bit of a switch on it, I was like, oh no, no, I thought he was going to get his nice little happy ending. It's like, this is so, so gutting. You know, I, just, I did think it was like, oh, they're going to they're gonna separate out. They're going to be able to go their separate ways. He's going to go off and have a nice retirement somewhere and it'll be all lovely. And then you're like, oh no, what have they done? And you know, even you, I mean, when Jax is sitting there going, don't run into the bullets, you're thinking, no, <laughs> don't do it. I know how this ends now because I know you're leaving. Oh. <laughs> well, the thing was, um, I was, you know, it didn't really occur to me at the time, even though it probably should have, but when Cisco fashioned the, the serum, that's like the Chekhov's gun of the episode. And if you don't know what Chekhov's gun is, it's a concept in fiction where it specifically uses a gun. If you mention that there's a gun in chapter one or whatever, you have to have used that by the end of the story. Otherwise, there's no point in it being there. So if you take the, the crossover as a miniseries, that serum is something that needs to be used by the end of the miniseries. Otherwise, there's no point in introducing it. Otherwise, you're back to Legends of Tomorrow next week, and they're like, oh, remember this thing that Cisco gave us? Do you think we should take it? Uh, I don't know, we'll leave mm-hmm. it to later. You know, and, and you've, got, you've got this thing that they didn't get from anywhere, if you're only uh, from the context of that show. But, I mean, that's a separate issue. But the, the fact is, that serum had to be used. Oh, I knew the, the serum was going to be used, yeah. but I was hoping the end was going to be him going off for retirement and Jack's going back on the wave yeah. writer. <laughs> I was like, so gutted. Uh, but like you say, handled really, really well, really sort of poignantly, and all the the legends kind of get the little moment to mourn. You see them each getting told or each discovering it, and even the way Sarah handled it, yeah. I quite like when she walks in on Jacks. I thought it was was nicely done. Not just the legends characters or the Flash characters as mm. well, because. You know, don't forget... He was initially a Flash character, yeah. He was a very prominent part of the Flash for a little while. So the thing is, what happens is, doing it in the crossover, what it does is it gives the crossover stakes, because at the end of the day, what would happen is, if everyone made it out alive, it'd be like, well, that was fun, but, you know, whatever. (laughs) It's something that happened. But the fact is, someone died, therefore adding weight to it, adding a... giving Giving the whole thing a point. And the death actually becomes something, rather than something that affects the team on Legends of Tomorrow, which would have been enough, but it's something that affects the entire universe that these shows live in. Except Kara, she just doesn't know who he is. But But it is, it is something that resonates, and the fact is, you got to see everyone reacting to it, more or less, and then uh, fighting for him, you know, fighting for his memory became the 
the motivation for the the final battle. It added weight to it, and it was it was necessary. You know, even though Jax wasn't seen again until the end of the episode. You know, during the fight, he wasn't anywhere because you know there's no use for him now that he doesn't mm. have any powers. Sadly, but yeah, something to talk about in the mid-season. But I fully imagine that future version of his grandson will be the other half of Firestorm. Definitely potential, but like you say, it's it's more a, a Legends of Tomorrow chat than a, a crossover yeah, one for next week. So yes. or whenever in in, yeah. in our in our timeline, <laughs> not yeah. yours. Yeah, that's it. So it was it was really good. It was really impactful. It was really sad. Really emotionally resonant and I mean they normally screw up deaths and these things and I hope this one's permanent I mean not that I don't like Martin Stein I think he's a great character but we've had so many deaths that aren't permanent so let's let it be permanent I get get the impression it's going to be just through the way they're talking and if anything it'll be flashbacks or a little because of the way Legends works time travel and things you may get a them dropping in on a younger Stein or a different version or whatever, I don't know. But you, Earth I, I think two, the, Earth X, past I think the actor will show up, yeah. but I don't think it'll be the same Stein that you see. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously there was a, a dead character that manages to sort of come back as a result of this. Is, uh, <laughs> Leo Snart. Yeah. Citizen Cold from Earth X. I liked him. Uh, I like that he was, uh, you know, he was just as theatrical as, as the version we know and love, but also quite different. A bit about planning, where he was like, "That's terrible advice. I plan to the second. <laughs> the other snarts like, "Yeah, I'll have a plan, but it probably won't work. So we'll we'll we deal with it." Yeah, plan for the plan not to work uh, is the other one, and he's going, "No, I plan everything meticulously in great detail." <laughs> I'm like, "Great." Um, no, I always love that character. I think it's just played to such a ridiculous, not melodramatic level, but on that kind of vein, you know, over-the-top villainy. And to play it the other way around, going, you can't just kill people, you can't just burn everything. I, I loved it. I just thought it was done so well. Yeah, and the, the bit where he was talking to Mick about letting his feelings out and not drinking his feelings, and you know, it's, and it's like the same dynamic but slightly different. And um, I, I like, and obviously he's sticking around for a little while for reasons that I don't quite understand. Am I going to go back and protect my Earth with my uh, life partner, or am I just going to stay here for why? Yeah, if, if anything, you're thinking, well, one of you should stay, and it should maybe be the one from this Earth. I'm just saying. <laughs> so- yeah. If, so if there was one that was going to say, well, I hope you don't mind, but I'm going to stay. I, if there was one character that was going to say that, or I was expecting to say that, it was not him. Uh, so yeah. The impression I get is they want to give um, Snart a bit of a victory tour in some way, because um, Wentworth Miller has said that he's going to be you know, hanging up his cold gun pretty soon. Like He won't be in the shows anymore, he's just... He's given all he can and he's going to leave forever. So this could be a bit of a victory tour for him. Maybe he'll go around all the shows and and perk up everyone's day. Maybe he'll be <laughs> on one show. Who knows? I don't know what they're doing with him. Um, once he says that he's staying, you don't find out where he goes. So, yeah. It's interesting, though. He's, and I liked his relationship with Ray, or the Ray. You know, because it's... As pointed out, his secret identity is his name with the in front of it. It's not exactly the most conspicuous. 
I did, and I, I really liked uh, Russell Tovey in this. I thought he was quite a neat character. Um, and even when they first introduced him, I was like, oh, is that? I've not seen him in ages and something. So, no, it was nice. It was nice uh, catching that character. He's going to be voicing the character in an animated thing on CWC called... Oh, I can't remember what it's called. Freedom Fighters, I think. It's ah. set on EarthX and they're fighting Nazis. So, um, obviously. So, I think that's a bit of a tease for that. Because uh, he is someone that seems to come kind of from nowhere. Although, he is just a superhero that's native to EarthX. But then they mentioned, he's from Earth 1. I'm like, alright, how did this happen? Why is he there? Then? <laughs> There's an interesting there? story there that's not been told. But okay. it was a character that I was actually... I, I was hoping that both of them would stay, to be honest. Because I wanted to see a little bit more of him. I, yeah. I really liked him. Yeah, I loved his team up with Barry where they were fighting Red Tornado. Yes. That was cool. And again... Uh, even though it was a flash episode, Barry wasn't the focus of the action scene. He was, you know, the uh, the Ray was. He was Barry was there for backup, but, but it was his sequence because it was his big moment. It was his introduction kind of thing, you know, with his costume and all that cool stuff. It was it was a cool sequence. He didn't really do anything in the last battle other than like fly around and shoot beams, but you know, he's there. So. It is one of those ones where it is difficult to give everyone uh, the right time, but I do think they handled it pretty well. Yeah. And, yeah, he had his big showcase in the third episode, which is where it belongs, because that's on, what's not his earth, but his earth, because that's where he lives. Yeah, it was it was fascinating and to see that character just introduced out of nowhere, and you get enough of it. And I think the, his relationship with Leo does ground... Um, the EarthX stuff a bit because it adds a bit of personality to it, adds a human face to what they're going through. So the idea is they are a gay couple and they are being put in a gas chamber because they are a gay couple, or one of them is anyway. So that's that's the problems. That's the kind of stuff they have to endure all the time, and it gives you that kind of yeah, this is pretty horrible. Rather than Nazis, definitely horrible. You know, it just it gives you an example, I guess. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we present to you Evil Nazis. <laughs> yeah, because usually Nazis, yeah, that's enough, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but we've got to explicitly say that they're evil on this one, you know, just just in yeah. case their Airfax is Nazis, but they're happy Nazis. <laughs> uh, we will prove that they are the same Nazis, just a different Earth. Yeah, and it gives that personal touch, which was required because otherwise it's just like, all right, okay, this is awful and you have to get away from it. But it gives, it makes EarthX worth saving because there are people on it who are worth saving as well. And you have that open invitation at the end where Barry's like, yeah, if you ever need any help, give us a shout, we'll come over and stuff, which may or may not happen. Yeah, I think I think there's a chance of a, a revisit or some form of cross going back there, definitely. Of course, the Führer is dead, so that's uh, that's encouraging. Yeah, you do you do wonder how Oliver ended up in that position. Well, see, in the first two episodes, I was wondering. I, I was a bit. I thought it was a bit vague. I th- they kept referencing the Führer, but I wasn't. I don't know if I, I just missed the point. But was it, was it clear that it was Oliver all the time, or was the suggestion was that they were talking about someone else? Well, see, I thought in the first few episodes we were talking about someone else, but then it kind of became implicit at the end it was him yeah well it was definitely it was, him. It was definitely yeah. him at the end but at the beginning it was left like oh it could be anyone because it didn't seem to me at the beginning as if he was the guy that was calling the shots yeah 
you know, when you see the first sort of scenes of him uh, defending the, um, you know, the factory where they've got the machine. Yeah. And he's stealing all the bits and pieces and he's going back. I always got the impression that he was reporting back to someone at that point, but yeah. he was the person he was reporting back to. I don't know. I said in my review that I was hoping it would turn out to be Superman. That would have been pretty awesome, actually. That, that <laughs> or would Barry, have been you know, pretty neat. well, but... Yeah, well, it needs to... You See, you would think that if there was someone that was going to be commanding about Supergirl, it would need to be someone of equal power level to Supergirl. Yeah. Rather than um, Oliver. You know, you would think it would be someone like um, Superman or The Flash or, you know, or even Fawn to a point, you know. Yeah. But it wasn't. It was Oliver was the Führer and Supergirl was in love with him. Or Overgirl, I think she was called. Mm. Evil Cara, she was in love with him and married to him for some reason, that whatever. But yeah, they, they had a relationship and it, I think it was just done to get a bit of a shock. You know, it's like, oh my God, look at this. <laughs> Look at look at who they've put together in this. Wow. I know. EarthX isn't all bad. The implication is that Iris is dead, so you know. That's alright. That's not fair. I don't wish she was dead, I just wish I didn't have to put up with her most of the time. Although she did get a good um a good showing in the third part where her and um her and Felicity were sneaking about Star Labs causing trouble for people. Yes. No, I, I, I like it. It's it's like I said about um, the street-level heroes getting something to do. You've also got to give the people that are not non-combatants, for want of a better word, something to do, you know. Give Iris the chance to sort of show off by going about the back of Star Labs. Give um, Felicity some, some typing to do, you know. And it, it helps out. And I, I do like the dynamic between them. I do find it slightly funny that, and I think we've mentioned this on another recording as well, of, well, who do you invite to um, to the sort of bridal shower, to the, the hen do? Of course, you invite Felicity, who I don't think she normally sees very often, <laughs> and, <laughs> and uh, you know, Cara is there. <laughs> it's like, because why not? Um, you know, it was very... Very strange invite list, you know. Yeah, Iris hasn't got many friends. It's a shame, poor Iris. Yeah, it's not as if she had a whole life where she was at work and all that stuff. You know, no, no, none of her work colleagues <laughs> or anyone like that. None of them, none of them. You know, they get to be a little bit of fodder in the opening uh, at the wedding. But, you know, apart from that... Yeah, um, but yeah, that's, that's a conversation for a future recording. But, I mean, what it does is it, it cements how useless the Nazi henchmen are because well their aim is pretty shocking and they you know they, they get taken down by one punch from Felicity and Iris so whatever you know it's it's not they're not like too much to worry about but it's standard sort of video game or or cartoon henchman sort of dynamic isn't it you know they're they're just kind of there to to upset you for a few seconds or whatever but uh, hmm. it was quite funny but I also like it that they treated it like you know, these people aren't going to win the day. They're going to slow them down a bit so that the people that can win will show up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know that at some point they're going to be discovered. They're not going to bring... And I even like the fact that they struggled even just to get the door open. Yeah. You know, it was like they kind of fell at the last hurdle. <laughs> yeah. 
Until the legends showed up and then bailed them all out, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it was actually quite funny because you had that bit of the conversation between um, Thon and, and Kara, where Kara said, uh, you know, my cousin, will, my cousin won't let anything bad happen to me or whatever. And then it was uh, Ray that ultimately like started, was the one to <laughs> save her. <laughs> Like, That's ah, true, really. I yeah. didn't really think of that, actually. Yeah, my cousin will say, ah, yeah. yeah. It's like, well, sort of. <laughs> I, I still like don't that, think actually. it... I still don't think it beats the... It was one of the lines that I really, really liked out of last year's where Ray sort of turns to someone and goes, oh, do you know what? She really, really looks like my cousin. Uh, which I thought was quite a neat thing they did last year. Yeah, but after establishing that, you know, that, that obviously Ray had went in a relationship with Felicity and the fact that oh, yeah. she also looks like his cousin because... Felicity pointed out that Kara looks very similar to her, you know, so it's, <laughs> yeah, something they didn't pick up again this year, which is fair enough. In fact, I'm not sure Felicity and Kara shared any meaningful screen time, actually. Um, not that they should, I suppose. No, I don't think they got a one-on-one. I think you sort of see them chatting to each other in background shots and stuff, but I don't think you, you got to see any of that on screen, really. Yeah. And Kara's uh, most significant interactions were probably with Alex and um, that was about it I suppose yeah, she, I mean she talked to people here and there and she was involved in like group conversations and, and things like that but uh, I, I don't recall anything that she actually any meaningful chats she had with other people other than her evil self yeah I agree Yeah. again not that she had to I think um I think it was fine just having her be floating around, chatting to different people, and obviously she was willing to sacrifice herself to save Iris and Felicity, uh, which she would do because that's who she is, even though she was about to get her heart ripped out. Poor girl. But she was all fine for the last battle, so that was okay. She she was uh, back up to full strength. Yeah, I was worried that they were going to bench her for like the rest of the crossover. <laughs> it was going to be somewhere. Well, she's tied up in Star Labs at the moment, so uh, you know, please yeah. hold. But you know, no, no, who's... she just fought herself, and uh, yeah. And I thought Harry was good value throughout as well. The the bit where he was in the prison, he was throwing the ball around, and then it was really annoying. Cisco, that, that was priceless. <laughs> Cisco, who was knocked out for the entire second part, incidentally. I think I think mainly just to give a plot reason why someone wouldn't zip over to Airfix and get the gang back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was weird that it was. It, they were like, "We have to get to the facility rather than let's wait for Cisco to wake up. He'll save us." But yeah, know, it was like without any knowledge of when Cisco might wake up, though. That's the thing. Yeah, but characters need to have agency, and you couldn't just have them sitting around doing nothing for the entirety of the the third episode. Because you would miss out on that really cool um, sequence where they were fighting their way through the, the Nazi facility, which it was just awesome. Mm. And that was very much the, the, the brawlers, you know, the you know, Oliver, Alex and um, and Sarah just kicking ass. And, oh, and Leo, of course, with his cool gun. I like how you distinctly call him Leo against like Snart or whatever. So I don't know. It's just a nice little touch. I quite like it. Um, in terms of in terms of just action in general, I mean, there was quite a few action sequences, and um, 
were there any particular highlights for you? I mean, I thought some of it was some of the CGI was a bit dodgy, but it's, it's TV, whatever. Uh, the the Spider Man Homecoming one, you know, where Oliver was Spider Man instead of firing the arrows to the, the mm-hmm. major pressure points. I mean, it looked it, it did look kind of ridiculous. Him just swinging about and you know it, it looked very very animated. But I thought it was pretty cool. No, there was a few neat bits. I mean, I kind of liked that initial sort of incursion on the wedding because it's all quite silly seeing people out of superhero costume trying to to wage battle in uh, in <laughs> sort of suits in their finery, yeah, in their finery. You know, all dolled up <laughs> for a fight. You know, I liked elements of that. I've already talked about that sort of final battle where it slows down and you see the flash. Uh, sort of fighting and everything else going on in the background in slow motion. I think that was quite neatly yeah. done. Uh, there was a couple of good little breakouts into little fist fights that you get to see. Everyone got given a little bit to do. You get to see Cisco going in there. You get to see Killer Frost doing a little bit of stuff. It's um, I, I like the fact that they've now done that Killer Frost can sort of skate along on, on ice now. Oh, she could always that do, she did there. that last season as well. Ah, did she? Right, yeah. okay, because I, I forgot about that, and I saw that and went, is that new? Is that, is that a combination, you know? Yeah. yeah. But very neat, so got to see a lot of that. Yeah, that was really cool when she brought um, Zari and uh, Amaya up through the uh, on their on her little ice bridge to get them aboard the, the Nazi wave rider. Yes. <laughs> Although, if the shields were up, how'd they get through the shields? Um, it's because it's the, the shields, window was broken. That's what it was. The, the window was broken. Are the shields? The shields take energy damage, but they don't absorb physical damage. There you go. So the shields were up, and they they couldn't fire like laser weapons, but people moving slowly enough could get through the thing. Yeah, there you go. There's some there's some head cannon right there. There's some head cannon. Yeah, let me just spraff that nonsense right there. Yeah, and uh, Zari had very little to do. Other than, although she does get her costume. She does get her costume. She does get a nice little costume reveal. But it's it's one of those things is there's always going to be some characters that struggle a bit. And I think as soon as you're a character that's only been introduced in one of these shows and has never crossed over and doesn't have established relations with other characters out with, you're, you're going right to the back of that pecking order, aren't you? Yeah. So it's and Amaya was kind of the same, although she got and so was Nate. Thank God. Yes, damn and... squib that he is. Oh. <laughs> I guess it takes the man of steel to catch the girl of steel. All right, okay. <laughs> you just broke her back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure she would have been okay if she'd impacted the ground as well. I think that would have been fine. <laughs> I don't know. I think she probably would have been better if she'd impacted the ground. It would have been even weight distribution, surely. Uh, I wish she'd just broke his arms or something like that. That would have been. Yeah. It was that like it was that smarmy line he got when he opened the cell and he was like, you know, "Who needs who needs the cavalry when you have legends or whatever the line was?" I was like, "Shut up." <laughs> well, that's just some bad character writing though, or trying to get a cheesy line, and that's someone's pitched that in a meeting. Everyone's hooted, and they've ended up leaving it in. Yeah, and they have to give it to Nate because lame. <laughs> um, but yeah. It, and Ray was kind of underplayed as well. He did have that. He did have that moment where he was reassuring Caitlin about the whole Stein situation. You know, where he was like, "Well, his boundless optimism always wins." And it's, and he's like, "Well, we have a lot of smart people on this ship, so we'll figure it out." Turns out we won't, but we might. You know, but we might. 
Yeah. And it was the, the father-son thing they built up with him. Um, I mean, they've been building that since day one, but the particular attention they gave to it in the in these episodes, you know, you got to have that proper father-son goodbye. It was just, it was very well done. And um, it was it was great for Jax. And, and the fact that Jax said, that, you know, he was all well and good to have Martin go off and be with his family, but also he didn't want to lose him either. Like, he didn't care about the powers. It was that he didn't want to lose him. I liked that angle of it. I really did, where he was sitting there going, I, it's not the powers, it's my dad. I'm losing my, my new dad kind of thing. And I... I I just thought it was played, like you say, it was played really, really well. I've liked the way their relationship has sort of struggled and won back and and worked through the series. I mean, we'll discuss it more in Legends, I think. But, um, no, definitely, I like the way it was handled in this. Yeah. I mean, this is completely going randomly on a different tangent, but one thing I was wondering is, like, where did Oliver get kryptonite? That is a good question. I mean, um, Barry did say, why have you got kryptonite? And he says, in case an evil her ever showed up. Reasonable, right? But also, where did he get it? <laughs> there, there yeah, because a- I suppose in this earth, there hasn't been the same meteor shower that of of remnants of Krypton <laughs> for for him to pick up kryptonite. Yeah, or, also there are no Kryptonians. There are no Kryptonians, so why would you... Yeah, I, I suppose it's one of these things of you're going to have to assume that he hunted out kryptonite, but how did he even know about kryptonite? I mean, it's not hugely important. There's only, is, there's only one thing that can take her out, and we we know what it is. And yeah, we've got and some, Oliver Queen would absolutely have prepared for that, of course. Oh, yeah, he would he would have, but you're still, yeah, it doesn't answer the original question of where and how and why in the first place. Maybe, how would maybe, he know and all that, yeah. Maybe off screen he got Cisco to go get some for him. He put it in an arrow, and then that was it. I don't know. He could have it built into the lining of his costume. Just <laughs> so that anytime Supergirl's near him, she's like a bit. Yeah. A bit what do you think of my kryptonite buttons that I've got sewn onto this lovely Archer's costume? Yeah. yeah. It's like, well, I'm going to stay over this side of the room now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know, I wasn't that bothered about it. I was like, yeah, it's not a very Oliver Queen thing to do. Although he probably shouldn't have announced that's what it was when he was firing it. He was just lucky that she wasn't listening. Yes, I'm about to kill you with my weapon. (laughs) Just saying. Any minute now. Yeah. Unless you stop me, which you won't, because I'm going to shoot you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was a cool sequence, that, though. Um, It was just the way that all three of them were together. In one, you know, in three against three equivalent powers. That was good. And, um, yeah, the, the wedding stuff, I mean, we've talked about that a few times, but, um, I quite liked, I quite liked the strategy of it. I mean, it's so, so often that you have these fights where there's no quite, not really any strategy to it. So, like, Evil, Evil Oliver was a sniper, you know, shooting arrows at people from a distance, uh, and everyone was doing their little bits, and then, uh, Oliver got Cisco to move him up to the, the where his doppelganger was and fight him there. So, you know, to, to even the playing field that way. But it was a nice little piece of strategy there. I did I did like Oliver's little pocket arrow set. 
Did you see that? His little yeah. sort of expanding arrow thing that he just happened to be carrying in his, yeah. his wedding suit, I thought was... I was like, okay, well, sure, of course he would have one of them. Why not? Um, never leave home without it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never leave home without my little convertible uh, shooty arrow set. Um, i got my wallet, phone, keys, portable bow. <laughs> yeah, port- portable bow, archery set, you know, all that sort of stuff there. Um, big massive quiver I'm assuming because of the amount of arrows that he shot off you know? <laughs> it's you know he must have been really weighed down in that suit but yeah I like, I like the combination attacks for want of a better word where you're, yeah. you're using someone like uh, Cisco to breach someone else to jump through uh, or um, the flash picking someone up and moving them further along when you get um, in the fight later on where they're disabling the sort of Nazi wave rider we've already discussed that where you've got yeah. a couple of people teaming up in order to do it yeah, there's some there's some neat little combos that they do, um, which I think was just well played. I mean, they must have sat there and worked, trying to work out who's going to be doing what during these fight scenes, and uh, I think they chose quite well, really. Well, the sheer scope of most of them was really impressive. Mm. I mean, it was very much warehouses or street stuff, which is stuff they always do. You know, they have to fight somewhere, fair enough, and warehouses easier to get cameras into. Funnily enough, so but the, the, and there the happens fact, to be lots of them around about film studios, which are nice yeah, and cheap yeah. to use. Indeed, indeed, not a problem. But the, the way they had to map out what everybody was doing and make it happen was just, you know, an impressive feat for them to accomplish. Because if you if you focus your attention on any given part of the screen just to see what and in the wide shots, you'll see that people are doing stuff. You know, different people are doing different things. It's not just. You know, it's not like in The Dark Knight Rises, for instance, where you just have henchmen falling over in the background because even though they haven't been touched because they think you're not looking there. But I think if you were to look in different corners, you would see stuff going on. And I think um, it's a testament to the choreography on these shows. I think they've always been good at that. And it's probably some of the best work they've ever done in this these particular episodes. Yeah, I think so. I mean, because I've... I've very publicly criticised some of the fight choreography in a couple of the the opening episodes, I think, this year, where there's been bits where you've gone, hang on, how did that person get from there to there, and why is that? Whereas with this, they seem to have have really tidied it up. Definitely, yeah. And there was was always little elements they kept introducing that were pretty fun, like the the EarthX version of Metallo, that was cool to see. You know, the the Terminator is, is essentially how he looked with a green with a green beam in the middle of his chest, but fine. It looked cool, and then it gave the. It, later on, it paid off with the legends getting a hero moment as they all like worked together to pound him until he blew up. Even though he's ostensibly alive, but I suppose the the kind of stance everyone took was: these are Nazis. It's okay to kill them. So yeah, I mean, it was a good little. <laughs> it was a good combo attack, like you say. Every everyone working at the same time to take him out. You know. Yeah, and it, it was quite a small thing, but it was the and it was the bit where. Um, Oh, who was it? Was it? It was Dinah, I think, that said, "This is like the Terminator." And then uh, Cisco started laughing. He's like, "I love a pop culture reference in a life or death situation, or whatever the line was." Words to that effect. <laughs> it was just really good, you know. It was like um, again, they, they kept it focused on the characters, even in these, even in these moments where it could have just given way to CGI the whole time. But there was always little character beats, and like I mentioned earlier, the general, "Would you care to step outside?" That's this very good little character moment, and um. I liked it when Harry said, you have to take her up, up, and away. Yeah. That was so good as well. Tom Cavanaugh doing a great job of pulling double duty again, as as he always does. 
Yeah, pulling uh, double, sometimes triple or quadruple duty on these uh, these shows. But no, yeah. I, uh, I I liked I liked I liked him turning up in the little wheelchair for the first yeah. bit. I was like, <laughs> why would he even do that? Why would he do that apart from just to go? Yeah, why not? I'll just drive about for a little bit in my wheelchair, just reminisce of the good old days. Well, it's the same excuse with um, with the wearing the Harrison Wells face. Oh yeah, like, yeah. What? Why? Why are you wearing the Harrison Wells face? And the answer is, I felt like it. You know, I felt like no it. Way. I wanted to just to be a bit of a douche. Yeah. Here I am, and <laughs> he rolls about. You know, great. And I liked. I liked the tease of like the, um, you know, who knows what face I'll be wearing when I next see you. It's like, yeah, we could cast anyone in this role now. <laughs> yeah, we've established that he likes to play around with faces. Anyone can play this now. Fine, uh, not a problem. Although I hope I would like to see Matt Lesher again. Yeah, I think I think he'll come back, but I, I don't know whether it's sort of um, I'll say it again, but kind of like a budgety type thing where they go, "Well, we've already got this guy, we've already got him here, yeah. so yeah, we'll do him." And not only that, he's quite fun to play about with. So, but it also um, it also keeps the the relationship, the villain relationship between him and Barry, because mm. Barry knew him predominantly with that face so therefore the, the emotional connection is easier to make he's only seen the Matt Lesher version a couple of times you know and so the, yeah the that's more a strong that's more a, a legends villain isn't it that yeah. character than then yeah like you said and, and Ray pointing out I thought that jerk was dead <laughs> that was funny mm-hmm. although interestingly you had two characters called Ray and they tried not to have them in the same like scene together just to confuse matters well, a, otherwise yeah. you end up with the obvious comedy thing of uh, Ray's doing different things or doing the same thing and uh, doing all that, which is quite an obvious thing. Whether you know, managed to stick away there from just, some of that, yeah. yeah. There just wasn't time. Um, I think um, I'm pretty happy with how it all turned out. I think the the weakest part, the weakest episode, was probably the second one, mostly because the the long period of time where just different groups of people walked into a room and talked about their feelings and it was this pretty obsessively structured bit where this is the bit where everyone's going to get together and talk about their feelings and it was just these different pairings and like I said before it was the Oliver Felicity marriage conversation that I couldn't give two craps about and you know you had these little things and it was just there are bigger and better things to be worrying about right now and we don't really want this this little section that's not needed Mm-hmm. But that was the only weak link, really. That that particular part. Although I would say the the third part maybe not quite as strong as the rest as well. It's kind of the middle section of the story where it starts to sag a little bit. I suppose those two parts. But and then the the bit at the end of the second part where half the team are on Earth X, half the team are captured by the the Nazis in in Earth One Star Labs. It's like that's the perfect midpoint because that's the Everyone's at the heroes are at their darkest point there, and they have to kind of claw their way out of that. And then the third part had a bit of meandering to it, where they were just hanging around chatting for a bit, which you know it kind of has to happen. But at the same time, not all of it was that interesting. Yeah, I kind of think the the first and the last episode were probably the strongest, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, you know, there's obviously elements of the setup and elements of the the sort of closure that are a bit, eh, yeah. but. I think they were the probably the best overall with the ones still providing a very good filling though. 
That's yeah. that's the thing. I mean, it wasn't that the whole thing sort of stalled and fell apart as they waited for the closing episode. It, it kept the pace. It kept going. And if you look at it as a three-hour film, it's maybe 20 minutes here and there that it's sagging for mm. slightly. You know, and it, not, not massively, but just a little bit. It's not... It's, you know, it isn't deal-breaking. It's not like... It's not as clumsily structured as last year's crossover where you've got Arrow's 100th episode in the middle of it, which is... Which was going to be difficult for for anything, but it just meant that the the alien story took a back seat. I never felt like the story was taking a back seat to anything here, because it was all about that very singular thing. No, definitely, and like you say, there was there was a reason for it last year, but I do think that they've obviously worked a lot harder on putting together a story that works for all the characters and the fact that they've managed to integrate it into all the shows I think was was very well well done. Yeah. I'm struggling to think how they can top this next year though. It's going to be difficult. I mean they've set themselves a really high bar. Yeah. Really really high. Um so I don't envy the people that are sitting down to go so next year what are we going to do so who can we um, kill off in next year's crossover yeah, <laughs> one of you has to die um so I no I don't I don't maybe, know it's maybe next year they can do the death of superman <laughs> no 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 well, that I would mean, actually be an interesting crossover idea to be fair superman it would be what take everyone, everyone to, to help help Kara for a bit yeah, yeah, everyone goes to yeah. I, su- I suppose it's like you've had Kara crossing over to their Earth so many times that getting the team together to go over to her Earth would be quite a, a neat solution. Um, yeah, why not? Let's go with that. Death <laughs> of Superman. Death that's of our, Superman. That, that's why the prediction. Not? That's the Neil Before Pod prediction. Death of Superman. Death of Superman. Year. I don't know. I don't know what else they could do but i wasn't expecting the story that they went for this year to be honest so i'm sure they'll no. come out with something you know if someone had pitched me last year going oh guess what they're going to do next year they're going to do a nazi earth invades <laughs> then i would have went <laughs> no surely not no <laughs> uh no i think you're, you're pulling my leg whereas with this they're like yeah okay sure they could do death of superman but um, I just look forward to seeing it now. I'm, I'm quite yeah. hopeful. But it all depends on what directions the, the individual shows take from this point. Yeah, there's almost a, oh, can't we have this every week sort of, sort of argument. But, you know. Yeah, there's definitely yeah. elements that I'm going, oh, so no, we've got to go back to normal next week and there's <laughs> yeah. not going to be all this sort of cool fun. We're going to be back to the usual stuff. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I'm sure like we'll they'll get back to normal in the other shows and they'll be enjoyable in their own right as well. I think uh, something to come on to a bit next week again, but or whenever we do it. But the mm. um, the thing is, I think all four shows are relatively strong at the moment. Um, certainly, certainly they're all watchable. I mean, to varying mm-hmm. degrees, but they're all doing good things with their current seasons. So that kind of helps. I mean, the the characters and the shows are in a good place. So therefore, the the foundation for the crossover was in a good place as well because the cr- the, the creative team that work on all these shows are doing good work. So this, so you would think that they're doing they might do good work for the crossover, and they really brought their A game in terms of bringing something that people would enjoy and that would please the fans. I think that I think they did a sterling job with it. I agree. I, I don't think I can add. I don't think I can add much more to that. I think they've done a sterling job. I really do. Um, after last year's one, I was kind of like, "Oh, please don't disappoint me." And 
I think they've really, really upped their game with this. I think it benefited this year from, I mean, last year the behind the scenes things were, you know, they didn't know they were getting Supergirl in it till pretty late. So, um, so they decided, so they had to do some jiggery pokery to make her part of it, which meant it felt like at points she wasn't that big a part of it. Mm. But this year it was all about, we have all these four shows, we can plan it around these four shows. So that's why on each of the shows you've had, um, you know, you've had episodes where characters disappear for a while because they have to do a lot of crossover filming. So, you know, you can see why, I mean, again, something us to come on to next week. We're like, we're like a DC film here. We're, we're promising mm. stuff that, that will be delivered later. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Listen to this. It tells you about something that's going to happen later. You know, it's, uh, but the, the idea is that there was an entire episode of Supergirl where, they, where Alex and Kara weren't in it. Pretty much, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, and here's why, you know. And and uh, what you had was, yeah, I think you had um, the the Flash episode that, that focused on the villain. That's where you get time off for the Flash, the other characters to to film stuff. And I guess Arrow, well, Arrow's had a subdued role for Oliver Queen this season anyway. So, again, that gives him time. Um, Legends. You just focus on whoever you want, and then the others can, the others that you're focusing on can stick on to this. So I think um, they, they definitely compensated for it time wise by factoring it into the, the story threads of the other shows, and it and it gave everyone the time they needed to commit to all the scenes they needed to commit to. Mm. There's, you know, that's the my predicted production point of view thing. No, uh, it's spot on. It's one of those things. It's it's difficult for us to to sort of work out what they would what they would get and how it would all all put together. I mean, I would like to see some. You know, talking about behind the scenes sort of things, I would like to see some of the behind the scenes stuff on this because it does look like they must have had a lot of fun doing this. Yeah. Um. So I don't know if they they do a lot of behind the scene box setty stuff, but I would like to see it definitely. Yeah, I wonder. Um, I wonder what will happen with the um, the Blu-rays for these four shows. Will Will they all have all four episodes on them, or do you need to buy four Blu-ray sets to get the whole thing? Or will they do a, a sneaky box set for this? Um, you know, put all four episodes of this onto a little box set, but then also include the individual episodes in the TV show box sets. I don't know. I haven't bought last season stuff yet. I'm waiting for it to come down in price, but I know that for season. The previous season, you know, the Legends of Tomorrow introduction stuff that they did on Flash and Arrow, both both Blu-ray box sets had both episodes. Ah, so they might include all uh, all four in it now. Maybe, yeah. Although I'm pretty sure the um, the Supergirl box set doesn't have the cross the musical crossover uh, on it. This like on this this run, which doesn't make sense because it's a significant Supergirl plot movement episode, I suppose, mm. but. Again, that's a story for another time. But in terms of this, who knows what they'll do? But anyway, it's it's fine. It's a it's a four part opus that they they put together and um, created a bit of a nightmare for me as a reviewer. It has to be said. Although I ultimately went with night one and night two as the way I approached it because that's how most people would watch it. Uh, and it turns out I was pretty much the only person on the internet to do that. So you know, great. <laughs> I think it worked. It makes sense in the way you did it, yeah. rather than breaking it into... Because like we said earlier on, not to tread over ground that we already have, 
it wasn't really episodes of these individual programs. It was its own standalone thing yeah. with elements of development for each of the plots in there. Yeah. And I think the cliffhanger between season episode one and two wasn't that strong anyway. You know, you had the they all captured Tommy Merrily and Prometheus, but they they saved the reveal until the next episode when that would have been a good cliffhanger sequence to you know have him unmasked. Mm. Like, oh my God, it's Tommy! And then for everybody who watches only Supergirl, it'd be like, who the hell is Tommy? <laughs> <laughs> Who's this guy with the arrows? Who's all? Who are all these people? Because <laughs> they've never seen them before. Because they only watch Supergirl. Who knows? Um, so yeah, uh, unless you have anything else, we could probably wrap up. No, I've, I think uh, I'm probably ready to go back to my own Earth now. Oh yay, own Earth, Earth something. <laughs> Earth, Earth something. Yeah, off, yeah. off I go. <laughs> off I go. <laughs> I've decided that I'm on Earth somewhere. Oh, you're Earth somewhere, I'm Earth something. Uh, excellent. Okay, cool. Cool, yeah. cool. cool, that makes sense. That makes total sense. <laughs> makes absolutely no sense, but whatever. <laughs> well, you can... I, I don't know. Do you open the breach? Does someone else open the breach for me to go through? I can't remember how this works. Someone will open a breach. Have, have, have we got a machine? I don't know. You, you, need, to, um, you need to book an engineer. And... <laughs> And then the wrong engineer will come. He'll be like, "No, I'm not the breach guy. <laughs> I'm the uh, no, I'm the guy that fixes the time machine. I'm the uh, time machine dude. I don't, I don't do the breaches. And then the next person will come along, and it'll be another time machine guy. And, like, oh. and they'll be like, "Oh yeah, you've got to book another slot, and then it won't be a week until you can get that in. And it'll say they're going to come in the morning, but it won't tell you when. And then two will show up at the same time, and it's, oh nightmare." That's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's horrible. Multi-dimensional travel. It's, it's a problem. It's a nightmare. Yes. So we will be back for mid-season stuff pretty soon. Uh, we have a Christmas special in the offing as well. That's exciting. Uh, we will have Star Wars, which you may not be involved in, just depending when you actually get to see it. Yeah, it depends on when I go, yeah. December's going to be pretty busy for people that edit podcasts. By people that edit podcasts, I mean me. And I need to get my Earth somewhere, something, somewhat duplicate to help me out with podcast editing. Earth somewhat to duplicate, okay. <laughs> or the Council of Craigs that <laughs> can uh, assemble the podcasts. <laughs> problem is it's just us sitting about complaining about how much work we've got to do and not actually doing anything <laughs> <laughs> i would love for the council of craigs just to be several different versions of you going oh not today <laughs> <laughs> i really want to just do this uh, i want to chill out today yeah. <laughs> always demanding <laughs> so yeah december is going to be maybe good or bad depending on what you think of these podcasts so but Crossover, final thoughts on crossover, just a wrap-up statement. Uh, really impressive, well-made, look forward to seeing it next year. My final thought is the same as my initial thought. It blew my mind by how good it was. And I'm just going to close on that. So thank you, Chris, for joining, and back to your earth you go. Bye. 
So, that was our discussion of Crisis on Earth X. One thing we forgot to discuss, but I've picked up in the editing, was the mysterious young woman who approached Barry at the wedding. Our working theory is that she is Barry and Iris' daughter from the future, but time will tell. In the meantime, thanks to YouTuber nstens1117 for the supplied music. If you like what you heard here, then hit that subscribe button on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app. And join us on the next Neil Before Pod. (laughs) 